0: Hello and welcome to this special Dry Bones Ministries podcast series, Reflections on the Screwtape Letters. I'm Father Adam Potter and today we reflect on the 14th letter. It's good to be with you uh, for this letter and I just wanted to pause and say I've just been really grateful for a lot of the positive feedback coming back from a lot of you who are listening and getting a lot lot out of it. I rejoice at that as this has been a, a book And just a series of letters that have, yeah, just been really transformative for myself. And so that, yeah, if I have an opportunity to communicate that to a few of you, then I rejoice at that. Um, I've gotten a lot of feedback that the reading is tough and hard. And so I just wanted to give a special word of encouragement to persevere and and keep going. That it it is hard. And just to admit, it's hard for me, too to really wrap my mind around this. Oftentimes I have to read it and reread it. Reading it out loud has been something that's been helpful for me. I think I mentioned that early on. Uh, One person suggested that what's been helpful for them is to listen to the podcast first and then read it. And so whatever is helpful for you, go for it, persevere, and hopefully that you're already, right, as we're coming into a what is the, th- the third week now of going through this, that you're starting to see some of the fruit and different things to think about and consider and pray with. They can bring us closer to the Lord. So keep going. Glad to be with you. I wanted to open up by praying a Psalm 34 and just to appreciate how the scriptures bring us to a complete confidence in God is the one who he's the one fighting this spiritual battle for us and that we might call upon him at the beginning of this letter and especially at the beginning of this week as we dive into really begging him for a reinforcement in our spiritual lives. Take up the strife, O Lord, against all who strive against me. Fight the enemies who make war on me. Seize buckler and shield and rise up to help me. Draw the speak and bar the way of my pursuers. Say to my soul, I am thy salvation. Let them be abashed and ashamed who seek my life. Let them fall back disgraced who devise my my harm. Let them be as chaff before the wind while the angel of the Lord hurls them back. That's Psalm 34. I just thought a great way to, to enter into Um, the beginning of this letter. So if you're ready, let's go. Ah, this letter is all about humility. And Screwtape is clearly concerned because Wormwood's patient has discovered this virtue. And he goes on to tell Wormwood that he needs to draw the patient's attention to himself and to just how humble he is being. As the patient becomes proud of his newfound humility and false modesty, the actual virtue of humility becomes worthless and he becomes susceptible to temptation. So it starts off in the first paragraph where we find Screwtape commenting on the fact that Wormwood's patient has grown since his first conversion. Believe it or not, huh? You have this like incredible conversion moment and yeah, things kind of change from those first moments where you see the faith or your own prayer life in rose-colored glasses and um, he says there's a difference between the first confident resolutions that one makes at a conversion and the humble desperate hope for the daily and hourly pityance to make the daily and hourly temptation. I love this to think about gosh my own confident resolutions that I made my first conversion whenever I was a teenager coming into the church, and all the ways that I ideally thought that I was gonna set off and be completely given over to the Lord from here on out um, with my prayer life and with my striving for virtue and holiness, and how gosh I've just fallen flat on my face so many different times, such that as the Lord works has brought me in so many ways. I'm still I still have a long, 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 long way to go, but to think about how praying daily and hourly that god might give me just a little bit so that i can make it not just through like this next year or this next month or this like this next moment lord give me what i need for right now this is the place of a real dependence upon god i would call this a poverty of spirit even a desperation i think about how in the scriptures the Lord brings St. Paul to this reality. You'll find this in Second Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul talks about all the ways that he's just been completely humbled, uh, brought to these different moments of shick- shipwrecked, being stoned and cast out and scourged, and all these different abominable things that have just completely embarrassed him. And it's in that moment St. Paul says that he was able to hear the Lord speak to him. That my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Isn't that glorious? So this is where we need to come to, that we might not be afraid of coming to beg the Lord daily and hourly for pittance. Pittance, just a little, littlest amount of grace so that we might be faithful. What is this? Well, this is humility. This is why Screwtape is so worried about Wormwood's patience. In the second paragraph, uh, it's revealed as humility. And then the attack is immediate, right? Draw his attention to it, to this humility, and then a pride of his humility will appear. This makes me think of Peter walking on water. How in all humility, he believes that it is the Lord calling him to himself. And so he gets out of the boat and he starts walking on water. And But as soon as he draws his attention to himself and his own trust and his own humility in the greatness of what he's doing, he starts to sink. Right. So do you see how the evil one would love to bring our attention as opposed to off of the Lord <laughs> onto our virtue or onto just ourselves? Ah, uh, so what does that what does that look like? S- Screwtape tape cautioned wormwood. Not to push too hard on this approach. Otherwise the absurdity of being proud of the newfound humility will be apparent and the patient will merely laugh at you and go to bed. I appreciate that. I think most of us know how ridiculous we are whenever we're um caught up in being really impressed with how humble we're being but it's it's subtle right it's subtle in terms of that line whenever we've been kind of puffed up in just how humble we've been but then there's a moment where it switches where we catch ourselves right but how long were we going in our days before that whenever we were kind of operating of ah look at me look at me look at me and then finally like days later we're like oh wait what am I doing You know so it's subtle it's subtle and here we see the spiritual attack of just keep them focusing on them keep her focusing on it um but not too much otherwise they might laugh oh so humility right just maybe to to speak on this our growth in holiness is so dependent on the virtue of humility that saint augustine famously said that the three most important virtues are humility, humility, and humility, (laughs) right? It's essential. He actually goes on to say that if humility does not precede all that we do, our efforts are meaningless. And this is just throughout the scriptures that we see how powerful humility is. Matthew chapter 18, verse four, Jesus says, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven in Luke chapter 14 verse 11 Jesus says for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted oh have you ever been <laughs> humbled after exalting yourself um i was thinking about uh this the story of my own life a couple of years ago i was having mass at our cathedral here in pittsburgh And these religious sisters came up to me after mass and they were so excited to see me here. And they just said, "'Father, you are perfect for this place.'" And of course my ego just exploded. (laughs) I'm like, yes, yes, I am perfect for this place, this beautiful church, this beautiful cathedral. And then the sister went on to say, "'Yes, because you're so tall. "'Everyone can see you from anywhere in the church.'" (laughs) I'm like, oh, right. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Um, any time that I would want to exalt myself or think that, that it's about me, it's it's not. It's not. So, yeah, I'm sure you've had your own moments in that, right? Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. How about Philippians chapter two, verses three and four? Do nothing from selfishness or conceit, but in humility count others better than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Oh, there's something to take to your next holy hour. What does that look like uh, to really count everyone else as better than yourself? I remember hearing a, a talk by a professional baseball pitcher who was sharing about how he tries to live out his own Catholic faith and especially this virtue of humility. How does he, as a professional baseball player who makes his living, supports his wife and his family playing this game, this game of baseball that really depends upon him having confidence and him actually having a a pride in what he does and even a vision of himself as being better than every single batter that's going to come up so that he can succeed and win. What does it look like to be really humble? What does that look like? And, and I don't know that he had too many like great answers, but I was so inspired by the fact that he was struggling with it to try and find how this integrates into his faith, into his life, into his career as being a, a pitcher. So kind of a tangent, but just so that you can appreciate, here's what we're going into, this most vital of virtues. So uh, back to the letter, it's in the third and fourth paragraphs that we see the next attack. Make the patient not aware of the real purpose of humility. What's the purpose of humility? It's to allow everything that is said and done to be for the glory of God and the love of one's neighbors. Right? <laughs> the purpose, the aim, is for God and for our neighbor. So on the, on the positive end, the objection, or this low, downcast state, and the self-hatred are authentic ways of not focusing on myself, but only God and others, right? Screwtape affirms. It's dangerous whenever we really die to ourselves and don't do different actions or say different things for what we can get out of it. That's dangerous because that can be the raw material, the potential for glorifying God and others. But the evil one wants to twist that into a focusing on oneself. And instead of having no opinion of oneself, to have a low opinion of oneself, of one's talents and characteristics. So C.S. Lewis actually has been um, attributed to saying this is what humility is. The true humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Have you heard that before? (laughs) True humility is not thinking less of yourself. Oh, I'm no good. I don't have anything to offer. Like I have nothing to say or nothing to contribute. That's not true humility. If anything, that's a a false version of pride. But it's actually thinking of yourself less, a self-forgetfulness. So if that is the case, then it's no wonder that Screwtape wants to propose the idea that pretty women are trying to believe that they are ugly and clever men are trying to believe that they are fools. And since what they are trying to believe may in some cases be manifest nonsense, they cannot succeed in believing it. And we have the chance of keeping their minds endlessly revolving on themselves in an effort to achieve the impossible. How true is this that I can spend so much time thinking about how horrible or poor these qualities of mine are all the while, I'm just overly concerned with myself and I'm still thinking about myself and I'm still like, ah, stop. And it's not that these things can't be thought of, right? That's not it. But am I thinking about them in a way that ends with me? Or is it in a way that ends with God as my ultimate end? Is it a way that thinks about this as a way that ends with my neighbors and loving them and serving them? Does that make sense? That's the the key idea of the attack. Don't let them be aware of the true, real purpose of humility. So let's move then to paragraph four. Here, Screwtape gives one of the best insights into humility. Are you ready? Like, underline this, star this in the margins, make sure that you get this out of the reading. It says, quote, The enemy wants to bring the man to a state of mind in which he could design the best the best cathedral in the world, and know it to be the best, and rejoice in the fact, without being any more or less, or otherwise glad at having done it, than he would be if it had been done by another. That's it. That's that's the insight. So you're ready. First, what's humility? Then, Saint Thomas Aquinas will say that humilitas. Veritas is Latin for humility is truth. Personal humility is not just a downplaying of who I am, but coming to the truth of who I am. So these questions then are, am I free to rejoice in the things of this world that are glorious, that are good? Am I free to rejoice in them? If these things are mine, are brought about by my actions or my thoughts or my ingenuity or my assertiveness or my creativity or the ways that I really poured myself into this and brought others into the project as well. Can I rejoice in that? Like, wow, that's incredible what I did. That's incredible what we did together. But the next part's the test. Am I free to rejoice in these glorious things if they're done by someone else? The same as I would if they were done by me. Do you see why that's the true test of humility—an ability to praise the work of another? Why is this the test? It's because it proves that I'm not—I'm not playing this deadly comparison game. I'm not looking at what they're doing in comparison to what I've done or could have done if I would have had the opportunity. If someone would have just asked me, I could have done it. Right? I'm free to look at them and their work in the light of what God is doing through them and to say, wow, that's incredible. That is the idea of not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. This is God's desire then, to transform our self-love so that we can love one's neighbor as oneself. Have you ever thought of that? What does that mean? Jesus asks us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Now I've heard this to be hijacked today by weird interpretations such as loving yourself or taking care of yourself in a way that I don't know is kind of new age or uh, hippie or <laughs> I don't I don't know, but like there's actually, in all honesty, a real way that we need to love ourselves in the truth of who we are. Um, and it's in that as we can love ourselves, then we can love others. And if we don't have a true authentic love of ourselves, then we're not going to actually be able to authentically love others. Huh, let's move then to the fifth and final paragraph. And I just wanted to comment on one of the last parts. tape brings us to an incredible depth at understanding of what underlies the value of humility. Quote, the enemy will also try to render real in the patient's mind a, dro- a doctrine which they all profess, but find it difficult to bring home to their feelings. The doctrine that they did not create themselves, that their talents were given them, and that they might as well be proud of the color of their hair. End quote. Well, this could be a whole... Um, you know, doctoral thesis right now. We could have a whole nother podcast on it. But just to like point out the fact, this is what underlies the whole reason why pride is at the heart of original sin, right? It was pride in Adam and Eve's heart that brought them to grasp at the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it all goes back to, I would say what John Paul II said is actually underlying that pride is that they didn't trust in the Father's goodness. Do you see the connection to pride? Because it's, it's it's a looking at myself and what I have or what I don't have. And it's not a free receiving of the gift of all of creation that doesn't come from me. I'm dependent upon God, the Father, to be able to give it to me. And as much as I can receive it in freedom, in all humility and honesty, recognize Without you, God, I wouldn't be here. Without you, I wouldn't know how to receive it. Without you, I wouldn't even know how to use it or respond. I'm completely poor and humble in your sight. But this now actually brings one to a freedom to enjoy it, to enjoy the gift of creation. So it's one thing to say that, gosh, yeah, I believe in the doctrine that I didn't create anything. It's only through God. It's another thing to live out of that out of that poverty, so to speak. I've always seen this in the parable of the prodigal son, that the younger son is so prideful that he thinks he can be happy apart from the father, (laughs) the father who is an image of the heavenly father who created everything. You want your inheritance coming to you right now? Like you were already partaking of it. You could have anything you want and he grasps at it. But even the older son, too, he's miserable also because he doesn't see the father in truth and he doesn't see the gift of everything that the father wants him to have and enjoy. Even now, he's prideful in playing the comparison game. How come he gets to have the cloak and the sandals and the ring and the slaughter of the fattened calf for a party with his friends? And his dad is just like, son, everything that I have is yours. Right? Why would you think that you wouldn't be able to have this whenever you want? Are are you not free? Are you not humble enough to receive it as it already is yours? So I just think maybe a, a closing thought question would be, how much different would my life be if I lived out of this understanding of it all being a gift, all of life, every moment, every thought, Every work and service and project that I do, it's all a gift from God. Would I be free to receive it even more, use it even more, and then offer it all back to God from whom it all came and to whom it all belongs? May we pray that this reality might come to us, that we might truly be humble and experience the glory that God has for us. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this special podcast series, Reflections on the Screwtape Letters. If you'd like to support the work of Drybones Ministries, please visit drybonespgh.org. Please keep me in prayer and know of my prayers for all of you. See you next time.